Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Book Riot Podcast, the weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode eight, and we're recording on Thursday, June 27th. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm the editor of BookRiot.com, and I am not here this week with Rebecca Shinsky. Rebecca is away having adventures without us, and we are very mad and sad at the same time. I am joined, though, by special guest Chuck Windig, who is the author of Blackbirds and Blue Blazes. He is a blogger um, about writing and publishing and books at TerribleMinds.com, and a general word rabble-rouser. Chuck, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. This is exciting. I, yeah. I, I'm happy Rebecca's gone. Nothing I know. You her, should, just, I'm you here. Should be. Yeah. Um, maybe it'll be like the guy who was the first baseman before Lou Gehrig. See? You know? Exactly. He takes a day off and he <laughs> loses his job for the next you know, 17 now, years. Yeah, the, the superstar's here. So, Chuck, yeah, right. tell, tell us a little bit about yourself real quick for the people who don't know you. You write books. You write I do, about, apparently. You write about writing books. I write about writing. I write, I write more things writing. I write, write, write. Yeah, I throw a lot of words up on pages. Yeah, I write a lot. I've got in the last couple of years, I think I've I've got contracts for like seventeen books or something like that. We joke, we joke on the Twitter with you about how there's yeah. another. By the time you said Chuck's got another book out, there's another book. There's out. another book out. They've they're replicating <laughs> like, like nanotech devices. Yeah, that's like a, one of those comic book storylines where you can't kill the thing fast enough because you cut off right. the hydra and like two more heads spring out. They're like tribbles. Yeah, and then you started Terrible Minds before you were writing seriously oh, man. at the yeah, same time. Long time ago. Long time ago. How did you get into that? I don't even know. I, th- I think <laughs> welcome was, to blogging. I guess right? I yeah. know it was like literally 15 years ago, and I was. Rooting. Oh, is that that long uh, ago? Oh, I started yeah. reading your site. I think about uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, that's when I started reading it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, I I lived with a, a girl who was a coder, and uh, she was like, "Well, let's do a website." And originally, I was going to do this whole community writers community thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was like, man, that's a lot of work. And then yeah, I took it. Other out. writers are terrible. Yeah, other writers are awful people. Who wants those people? <laughs> so um, I, then it ended up being just a thing for me. And mm-hmm. uh, I had no metrics on it. I had no idea who was reading it. I had no comments, no forum, nothing. So it was pretty much for like a good 10 years. It was me blogging into the void for no good reason. Wow. So uh, were you I, writing at the same time? Were you working on books and stuff? Or did this yeah, become I, the platform? Yeah, it was at the same to, time. I started okay. to do freelance, freelance nice. writing for the game industry. Great. Well, I read Terrible Minds every day. I have it in my RSS and follow Chuck at Twitter, at Chuck Windig, right? That's true. That's, That's it. Um, and we're going to do a sponsor real quick, and then we got, we got a lot of news to talk about. So let me do a first sponsor before we get into that. So the first sponsor of the week is The Diabolist, a novel by Leighton Green. We talked about it on the show last week. It is the third in the series. Uh, the first two are The Summoner and The Egyptian the books take place in the same universe, but each stands on its own. So it's not a sequence you have to get into, kind of like Law and Order. You can watch them in any order, and it's the same kind of New York universe. This is a universe of their own. Uh, each book invest- investigates a cult. Um, so this one is about the murder of a satanic priest, um, and there's a prophet of a competing New Age cult is suspected. So that's the, the intrigue going on there. The main character is Dominic Gray. Um, who is described as a mix of Indiana Jones and Jason Bourne, so a bit of a 
action hero, a bit of a archaeologist, a bit of a scholar. Um, so that's The Diabolist by Leighton Green. Check that out, Amazon.com. Do a search for Diabolist. And I was just looking at it today, and if you are Amazon Prime, it's in the lending library, so you can check it out for free, which is a very cool way to try out a new author there. And if you like that one, you can check out The Summer and the Egyptians. So thanks so much to the, to the Diabolist for sponsoring the show. Check it out. All right, let's get to some news. Yeah. Sad news, I guess, we're going to start well, out with. Yeah. Probably. I mean, so Barnes & Noble released their quarterly earnings last week, which, you know, quarterly earnings for most of us who aren't investors is a bit of a snooze fest. <laughs> but this this is bad. These are bad signs for Barnes & Noble. These are bad times. This is the uh, book apocalypse. Yeah, it's and basically Maybe not quite close. It, it, Barnes & Noble isn't doing well. They lost basically $2 per share, which is double what analysts were expecting. The Nook business, which many of us who are pulling for Barnes & Noble, I'm one of those. Are you one of those two people? Are you one of those people, Chuck, pulling for Barnes & Noble? Who have a Nook? No, no, who are just pulling for Barnes & Noble to make it. You know, so oh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't want to see a big uh, giant. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. Workers is gone, so we now, need these. I mean, we indie need bookstores these, will yeah. hopefully fill the void, but Barnes & Noble is an anchor, man. Yeah. And uh, most importantly, maybe as a sign of what's to come, is that the Nook division, which is their e-reader division, was down – Fourteen yeah. percent or so, and that's in a and that's in a quarter where, you know, e-reading is going up. So, yeah, this is like someone pulled its pants down and shoved it. In yeah, and just said, market. you know what, no soup for you. You're not no doing very well. They're going to stop making their own tablets. So the Nook HD, the color tablets that competes with the Kindle Fire and the iPad, they're going to keep doing the Nooks, um, the the regular e-reading. Yeah, the e black and white, the right? black and white ones. But this is a super bad sign for them. Um, what do you think? What do you think is the fate of Barnes and Noble, Chuck? What do you? I you pay attention to this stuff. You're an author. It's like not going to go well for them, and I don't know that it's necessarily because people aren't buying books. I mean, I think yeah. they are, um, but I think they're buying them from Amazon. And right. I mean, I still know a lot of people who buy from their local bookstores. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you, like if you're the type of reader who's like, I I don't mind buying from a giant corporate entity, then you're going to go to Amazon because it's cheaper. Right. If you don't want to buy from a giant corporate entity, you're going to go to your local neighborhood indie bookstore. Which is also not Barnes and Noble. I think they're getting – there's no middle here, I guess. There's no middle, yeah. They're um, falling through that giant hole. If you have an indie – I mean, if you're lucky enough to have a good indie around you, that's yeah. one thing. And that you shop there, um, you're going to keep doing that. And if you don't, you go to Amazon because Barnes yeah. and Noble doesn't have a whole lot more personality than Amazon these days, it doesn't seem to me. Not really, no. I mean, yeah. the thing, you know, the bookstores, the physical location, the actual corporeal bookstores need to be about community. Yeah. And what Barnes and Noble has become about is about board games and coffee, yeah. which is like our entire middle of our Barnes and Noble is just like stuff that's not books. That uh, It's true. Um, the, lo the closest Barnes & Noble here to where I live in Brooklyn in Park Slope, the whole lower level is like board games and kids yeah. stuff. Yeah, which is fine, but sure. not actually, if yeah. I need that stuff, I'm probably going to a kid stuff store. Yeah. The this actual retail stores themselves aren't doing as badly as yeah, the Nook true. stuff. I can't figure out why the Nook stuff isn't doing better. You know, the, people like Barnes & Noble, they're around. Yeah. They have the showrooms for the Nook. They did some puzzling things, though, with the Nook. Like, first of all, it's, they, they entered kind of a little late. Yeah, they were and, late. And, you know, you're already going to be third because iPad and Kindle are the two yeah. giant prize fighters punching the, the, the hell out of each other. Yeah. And suddenly the Nook is like, ta-da! Right. Like, well, no. Okay, you go sit on the sidelines. Yeah. And then the other thing, they tied it so frequently to the physical store experience at the same time. Like, yeah. well, don't forget to come in, and then we'll teach you how to use it, and we'll give you downloads in the store. And you're like, but I don't 
if I have this device, I don't want to come to you. Right. Yeah. I, I agree. sit in my underpants. I got, I have to admit, I got this dead wrong about the Nook. I thought, I, I didn't think they were going to be Kindle anytime soon or the yeah. iPad, but I thought that that real estate, you know, I don't know how you, if you've been in multiple Barnes and Noble, the one I've been in recently, you go right in the door and right there, there's like a yep. Nook area. That's how it is in all the ones I've seen recently. Yeah. And I thought, dang, that's smart. You know, yeah. readers are going to go in there. It's kind of hard to find a Kindle in a good setting, yep. right? Um, Apple's got, you know, notoriously beautiful, right, almost, you know, museum quality stores yeah. that makes money fly out of your pockets into theirs. It, it does. Oh, it does. Uh, I can't even talk about it. I'm going to buy yeah. something new right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I thought, you know, this is great. They're going to get readers who are in there interested in yeah. new books. And it just doesn't seem. No, every time worked. I go there, there's like little tumbleweeds blowing across. That I know there's fact, some. There's no one there anymore for the last like four, five months. I, I agree. At that there's desk. some well-meaning sales rep dying to show someone. Uh, yeah. uh, any? Do you have any sense of why it failed? So I mean, why? Why didn't this work any better? I don't know. Like I said, on one thing, you know, you already have. This is not a big space for for loyalty. People have a right. certain sense of loyalty toward Apple or, or Amazon. Yeah. That sense of it's hard to gain that loyalty. Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere. Right. Um, and then without anything new. Like, they didn't come out and say, well, ours is actually cooler and better and cheaper. Yeah. It's like, it's just, well, it's kind of the same thing. Don't you want it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's a Me that. Too device. It's a Me yeah. Too line of devices. Yeah, um, so it's really, tech is kind of tricky that way. Yeah, it's true. And I, I guess, and maybe the logic was wrong in the, well, we're going to have all this retail space, but people are coming in for print books. Yeah. I mean, you're right. going into the physical bookstore because you want to buy a print book. So maybe there was less, guys, there are more of a terrible yeah. business speak word than synergy, but I guess I'm just going to use it now. <laughs> use it. There's less synergy between like, having people walking in buying print books than getting people to buy e-readers. That must be the explanation. Yeah, the crossover just isn't tell. there. But you know, I saw this like, as, a, as a, an author who is um, in, in terms of also doing traditional publishing, I yeah. do self-publishing. I, I think I saw this pretty much like a year ago because yep. when I would sell books on – Digital devices. I, I would sell direct for one thing, PDF right. um, direct, and then sell obviously on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, my Amazon was like seventy percent yep. of the whole sales. Direct was like you know somewhere like twenty percent, and Barnes and Noble was the remainder. Wow! So it was like I was selling more through my website than I was selling through. Yeah, Barnes there's not a lot left there. Um, a book right? We we did a volume called Start Here, which we yeah, self published ourselves, and we. The landing page for that links to Barnes and Noble, Kobo, uh, Apple, uh, Google Play, and uh, Amazon. Yeah, and we just don't see any sales coming through. Like we give people an option, you know, which yeah, which they of these do you want to? <laughs> they don't take it. Um, Very sad. It's it's yeah. I, I was I was there with you in the fall. I was like, oh boy, this is not a good sign. Yeah, but it was written because I think I think what Barnes and Noble needed was the loyalists, right? Yeah, and I guess and I don't those know that they were really all that loyal. As it turns out. Yeah, or they're loyal to print, mm-hmm. and they're just staying with print, and they're loyal to their local bookstore. But, you know, yeah. it's interesting, you, you've, since you've been blogging so long, you've probably seen the rise of when Barnes & Noble became a thing that people knew about nationally, right? right? And it, it was the Amazon. It, yeah, right. It was the, it was the, the thing we, we shot with uh, slingshots yeah. um, from independent bookstores. Now we're pulling for the scrappy yeah. underdog. And they kind of sewed the scenes of their own destruction, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. The coffee board game thing has been happening yeah. for a very long time, even before Amazon really That's right. the teeth. Do you remember your first Barnes & Noble, going into your first Barnes & Noble? Um, I don't know about first Barnes & Noble. Yeah. I do remember my first Borders, okay. though. Okay, yeah. Um, and Borders was more, more my store. They had a horror section, whereas Barnes & Noble tended to fold it in. Oh, is um, that right? I didn't yeah. know. That's so interesting. 
Yeah, and I, at the time I was a big horror reader, so it was like mm-hmm. going to Borders, like they had their own special section for it, and, uh-huh. and actually Borders too also sometimes had like a section for edgier books, which is cool. Which also uh, Walden Books had one, and it was right. a kind of cool shelf, yeah. a magical weird shelf. That's interesting. I grew yeah. up in uh, in Kansas, and we had a pretty good indie bookstore in my town. But I'm 14, and I'm not interested in yeah, you know what they've got there. You know, I was a literary reader early, but. If if there's a book by an author I'd heard of, there's like the one book, right? Yeah, and right. not the whole back catalog. And the um, Barnes and Noble opened in Kansas City, which is about an hour's drive from where I grew up. And I remember going in there as a 14 year old book nerd and thought I had gone to. <laughs> exactly. I was yeah. like, where are my seven virgins? Because this right, must right. be, you Bring know, this must me. be the 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 heavens because it's it's books everywhere books I, everywhere I, I, I just wall-to-wall books magazines yeah. everywhere i was reading literature and classics they have a huge back catalog they've got not only do they have faulkner they got all the faulkner and then right. the collections okay. and then annotated and i couldn't believe it and it was a huge deal it's hard to remember now how hard it was to find out about books say in the yep. early 90s like we have the internet and with twitter and facebook and blogs and blah 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 all over the place you can find out stuff all the time I went in there with a copy, a physical copy of Harold Bloom's The Western Ken because I was that kind of insufferable nerd <laughs> and started sure. l- looking at the names and seeing if they had it. And they had most of them and I couldn't yeah. believe it. And it was, so I'm romantically attached to Barnes and Noble. You yeah, know, we're going to survive. You guys like you and me are going to survive and find the books we want and where we want to get them. But I do worry about folks like, um, you know, that go in around the holidays to buy stuff for yeah, their friends and family. You know, my, my secret, like really mm, giddy, warm, comforting hope, my optimistic hope here is that if Barnes & Noble completely falls down the steps and breaks its hip, mm-hmm. that genuinely in indie bookstores will figure out how to fill that void. Well, at the very I, least, they don't have the same problems, right? Well, yeah. right, yeah. That they, and hopefully indie bookstores will stop trying to compete with Amazon because that is a, that's like playing chicken. Uh, I agree. Could, couldn't agree stop. more. And we, we're going to get to this next topic about Amazon's India a second. I wouldn't even go into that conversation. It's a different thing, right? It's totally, yeah. And it, yeah. It, yeah, right. It, for for my money, it's like a, a really nice French bistro throwing lobbing grenades at McDonald's. Like, yeah. yes, it's both. Wait, there's food. a guerrilla warfare component going on here. Like, it needs to be a dirtier war. Yeah. For the indie bookstores yeah. need to yeah. compete on a whole different level. Right, I agree. I so, Bombs. We'll get to that in a second because there's a lot more to say there. Anything else about Barnes & Noble or this story that we heard this week that's interesting to you or worth thinking uh, about or questions you're interested I'm just, in? I'm just going to go pour a, a latte on the curb for my... I, I know, our beloved Barnes & Noble. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, I think they'll I think they'll be around. I just don't yeah. know what capacity. So. I guess the, the upshot is if, if Nook itself, um, and it certainly isn't a good sign that the tablet business for no. them isn't remunerative, um, e-readers themselves are so cheap to make... Yeah, that they can maybe pump those out for a while too. But uh, I guess the story to watch is is Barnes and Noble as a physical bookstore chain going to kind of regroup a little bit because the other yeah. the other news here is they're closing between fourteen and fifteen stores, but they're opening like five. And they're right? opening five. <laughs> Something. So I mean, I guess good. it's not all bad news. Yeah, I mean um, you should close stores if they're not working. If they're not that, working, that seems like it's bad yeah. news, but maybe they're just not. So maybe they're going to sort of close the less profitable spots. Right. Um, open some new spots and keep some floor space for books because, you know, maybe we'll use this as transition into the indie bookstore story we've got is a lot of places in the country and most places, frankly, don't have an independent bookstore that's any good. No, it's close a shame. To them. That's it's true. a shame. And a lot of those places, 
sometimes because of Barnes and Noble coming in and killing the local or because they go to suburbs and other places, you know, um, strip malls and uh, places that didn't have a bookstore. Um, they serve a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and so much, I was talking to some people on Twitter today. It's like, I think people forget how many books are still bought in print. Like a lot of the discourse that we're interested it's in right now. Still a majority. I mean, yeah, still, still a majority. majority. And we, a heck of like a lot of Everyone just sort of like assumes, that, like, well, it's all digital now, right? right? Books yeah. are all burned. They're all gone. Yeah, all- right. We all buried them in a hole in the backyard yeah. and they're all gone. But right. a heck of a lot of them are print. Most of them, ebooks are really still only about 20% of the market right. on the whole. You on know, the whole, yeah. Different. On the whole, different. There's, there's, um, gradations in different topographies based on genre and whatever, but most of them are still print and a Barnes and Noble in, in America at least moves a heck of a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so for publishing, if you're a publisher, you're worried about this too. Yeah, you should um, be. You should be worried <laughs> should be about seriously it. worried. Seriously worried. So that, yeah. that's another thing just to keep in mind is that, you know, it's, it's easy to say, well, there'll be still be Amazon, but it's not quite the same. Even whatever, whatever you, your position on Amazon is from a, a, a zealot fanboy to someone who'd, like to see Jeff Bezos put in a pillar. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that it can't be a replacement for Barnes & Noble. So we're, we're going to keep an eye on that. If you have a local Barnes & Noble that you're interested in keeping in business, um, you know, you might, you might consider spending your money there yeah, rather than go. some other places um, right. that you might be able to. All right, let's do the next story. So this is something that kind of this, – this, this crossed your transom – this yeah, week a little I talked bit. this a little on. on do you, do you want to introduce Twitter's. this one? I know you're new here, but do you want to give us the background of what was going on here? Yeah, uh, an article on bookseller.com. There's this um, sense from the indie bookstores or some indie bookstores or some conglomeration of indie mm-hmm. bookstores um, that they are upset that authors are not linking to them uh, on their author websites. And the publishers aren't mandating it and the authors aren't doing it. And so what they're linking to Amazon and also Barnes and Noble and then no indie bookstores. Yeah. And so there's, you know, vim and vigor and fury and right. And, and the indie bookstores position, just to flesh it out a little bit, is we support you guys. Yes. You're trying. To, we're everyone. Authors always. We're gonna say, hand sell your books. We're gonna hand sell your books. Um, authors always say how important independent bookstores are. To them. We host events, which is and, all. And, this is true, right? Yeah. Stop me if I say something that's um, uh, an exaggeration. Why not throw us a bone and yeah. include a link to. Uh, Either IndieBound.org, which is the the digital presence of well, the uh, yeah, did, did the article mention IndieBound? I, I, I didn't see Well, I think, I think this one, one was actually a UK generated story. That's true, it was a UK generated story. And they don't have an equivalent. Not, they have Hive. Or, yeah, they have Hive, which apparently is even worse than IndieBound, which can be a little rough, to yeah. be honest with you. We link to it on Book Riot and we use it. Um, and I buy some of my books through IndieBound myself, but it's a little rough to use. So there's kind of so the, the general principle is there, you know, what if any ethical or even pragmatic responsibility or strategy should authors use in deciding who to yeah. link to. Does that, is, that, is that a fair assessment about absolutely. what this is really about? Yeah, yeah that's absolutely what it is. And you said some smart stuff. Why don't you give, why don't you give us your quick take and oh maybe God, I'll take the, the smart stuff? I think so. Remember this? I might have been, um, yeah. been drunk when I was reading it. and gave that, I was a, probably drunk when I was saying yeah. it. Yeah, so you, you give me that side and then I'll play devil's advocate if I feel like it. After, right. After the thing is, and I, and I mentioned this and I talked a little bit about this on Twitter, and I said, first of all, you don't have to list every indie book. Any indie bookstore that you know, which would of. be absurd, right? That, no, absurd. I don't think anyone's honestly. If yeah. they are, they get to sit down. But right, right. Um, nor do I think you have to issue linking to Amazon and Barnes and Noble because that would be silly. And some people thought I, the article was saying that, or that indie bookstores were saying that. Right. And, and 
I suppose there are some indie bookstores who would be very happy if you never linked to Amazon. Sure. They that being said, would be I happy. think it's not a surprise to link to Amazon. But all you have to do is really link to IndieBound and Hive, and you've covered – Yeah. You've given people an option. Yeah. You can even link, link it first if you're really – Rah rah, Andy. Mm-hmm. But whatever. I mean, put just put that link on there. Or if you have a really a super local favorite indie bookstore mm-hmm. that you're like, you know, they have a bunch of my signed copies and they're totally awesome, and you can order books direct from them. Mm-hmm. Which you know, like Mysterious Galaxy, yeah, the one of the ba- best bookstores for this mm-hmm. ever. Um, plug plug. Right. Uh, we'll put a link to them in the show notes. So. Seriously, absolutely, seriously, they really get it. They really get yeah. it community and outreach to community and bringing mm-hmm. the community to an author is sort of like their position. It's not just about, you know, forking over books. Um, so yeah, you know, and some authors get a little, like got a little upset at this. Like when I, there's some people on Twitter, like, well, why would I link to indie bookstores? Like, you know, why would I, you know, I, lo- I live in Kansas. I don't have any bookstores near right. me. So who am I going to link to? And I was like, well, that's actually not the point. Unless you assume all of your readers are in a 60 mile radius, <laughs> right. you should probably, Give yeah. them some more options. I mean, I guess if you've ever done a reading anywhere at an independent bookstore, one could make a moral claim that, you know, throw them a bone. If, if you don't sure. have a, a local, if you've ever been to one, maybe no one will do it. But I guess there's a couple interesting things to think. Like how much – it's not a pain in the ass to link to somebody, right? Oh, uh, no. You and I, I mean, link to stuff. It would be a pain in the ass to link to 30. Yes, yeah, but okay. to, link, to pick out one Four, or two five. or whatever. Like yeah. it's not hard to link to people no. for starters. Yeah. Um, the other th- and so that's I, I guess to the the Amazon only folks I would say it's not hard it doesn't cost you much if anything to yeah. do that and it's a service to your readers who might prefer an independent store. Precisely. Um, on the other hand, from the sort of um, tar and pitchfork indie crowd, right. we talked about this a second ago and looking at our own respective self pub um, and online sales, people buy from Amazon. Oh, they do. If you don't link to Amazon as an author, you're leaving money on the table. Uh, you're leaving three quarters of your money I mean, on you the are table. Me. It's like I am. And the people who buy books through web pages right then, um, I don't, I'm not sure if you know this stat for you, but we know for us, like 80% of them are ebooks through our affiliate links sure. on Book Riot. So we link to a, a bunch of books in a roundup, and people who buy them, they're buying ebooks right buying there, yeah. which is possible through indies but much more difficult and much more rare. So it is. I think it's unreasonable to ask an author not to link to those places that can support their work. I I just, I I think that's short sighted. I think it's solipsistic and unreasonable. It is. Um, But some indie bookstores have a big old, and and understandably, they have a very big um, cross to bear when it comes to their, their detestation of Amazon. I, I, they should. I mean, I, if I were they them, um, I would be like, I would think about how to do something different and better and to take yeah, sales from Yeah, that's the Amazon. key, though, is to yeah. not seem angry about it and yeah. to just do something different. Because when you seem angry, it seems, for lack of a better term, a little petty. Like, well, yeah. And it almost seems like you're mad at the internet. Because if right. it wasn't Amazon, it was going to be a, a, a resurgent BarnesandNoble.com or it was yeah. going to be some or other widget.org. Google Play org. or Apple yeah. or something like there that. There would have been something to fill that because the internet, that's how the internet works. It's a yeah. giant consumptive monster of easy to get digital information. So here's a question for you. Uh, and, and this is, uh, we didn't prep ahead of time for this, folks. So this is live response live. from yes. uh, Mr. Chuck Windick here. So let's say, what could a, let's say um, an author was going to link to an independent bookstore. Is there anything they could do for that author and that link, let's say they, 
like maybe a special landing page? Yeah, like what could they use as motivation? Well, like sign books is yeah. a really good thing. So if right. you've had a personal connection with that indie bookstore and mm-hmm. say, well, I've signed some, or even book plates, whatever it is, yeah. something there that they're offering, not only something for the author to give out, but then also something for the audience as a value add, right? right? Um, because you can't, you can't do that in Amazon, right? You can't say, here, Amazon, here's a thousand uh, signed copies to sell separate from. That is not an option. Yeah, so I yeah. guess one thing an author could do is say, all right, I'm going to send you 100 signed copies, and I'm going to link to it. it says special. If you want a signed copy, order it from it right, right here. You know what? And I, here's something that I noodled for a while that mm-hmm. I wonder. And this is a publisher side thing. This is not yeah. a bookstore side thing. If you look at, like, the games industry, right, if you pre-order, you know, Halo 74 or whatever right. Halo iteration is out, and you buy it or you pre-order from Target or Amazon or GameStop or wherever you, you pre-order mm-hmm. from, each pre-order comes with its own in-game thing and you yeah. know pre-order from target you get the hammer of throng and right. you, you know pre-order from GameStop, whatever so you each get something different a value add i thought it'd be interesting i mean if you, i'm sure there's no reason that they'll do this and no one wants to move mm-hmm. in inertia status quo blah 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 right but if publishers could offer indie bookstores something to sell that was totally not something you could get on amazon yeah. and then frankly at the same time offer amazon the same thing a different version of that yeah. because um, Amazon will never allow you to, to do that just for any bookstores. They will burn the forest right. to kill everybody. Um, but if you did that for both, so something that the indie bookstores could say, well, it's something different. At the very yeah. least, it's different. That's interesting. Yeah, I think... An extra short story in the back of the book, an interview with the author, uh, a pony, Some kind of pack in, right? Because those people who are pre-ordering, those are your rabid fans, right? They are. And they're looking for a reason to buy the book early and to have a special connection with the author right. and the book. And um, yeah, I think the bookstore could set up like a, a Skype or a Google Hangout. Yeah, I don't know. There's got to be something there. There's got, there's, there it something. does seem like someone who could think, and and they do think creatively about this. Like indie bookstores are are thinking about this, but some reason that an author might want to link to them that gives right. both the author and the bookstore and frankly the reader slash buyer. Yeah. Some reason well, there's to also care. affiliate types, yeah. which some, yeah. in some cases that actually does exist for Andy. Yeah, uh, that but, can exist too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and the other thing that was interesting, and this relates to the story we just talked about, is that lost in this is no one was talking about linking to Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good sign, right? No, that's the other, yeah. Just but, completely maybe it is a good forgotten. Sign because because the, the dichotomy that we're always discussing mm-hmm. is Amazon and Indy. Yeah. Barnes and Noble is just like, oh, those guys. I mean, and again, I don't want to see them fall, but at the very least, we're still talking about the Indies. Yeah, I guess what I'm thinking is like, you know, in the movie where there's like a gang fight and yeah. there's like the leaders of the gang and they're the ones in the middle. And then there's the guys that just kind of are like fighting in the background and they get stabbed and die stabbed. and no one cares. The red shirts. Yeah, yeah, the red shirts or the stormtroopers or whatever. <laughs> I kind right. of feel like Barnes and Noble might be a stormtrooper. Like, I feel like of, that's probably true. It's kind of around, but it's not the main, you know, it's not yeah. the main event. And yeah, Barnes and Noble, um, because, you know, the argument could hold just as equally on the indie side for linking to Barnes and Noble, right? Yeah. I mean, you're not, it's not so much that Amazon, is it, I guess part of it is you're not linking to us, and the other part is you're linking to the, the big bad wolf. The, the, the giant 800-pound gorilla. Yeah. Yeah, but that's um, the funny thing. Like, the Indies are no longer really that mad at Barnes & Noble. No. They, and they used yeah. to be very, uh, under, yeah. again, understandably very upset. Right. Because Barnes & Noble would, like, shoulder, like Walmart, they'd shoulder into your town and be like, cheaper books, and yeah. everybody get the hell away from that other right. tiny little store where everything's yeah, expensive. that is interesting. So I want to go back to something you said just a minute ago, because I, I am— the part about Ponies, because I still think they should give away ponies. That I'm would be always out for talking liquor about and ponies. ponies. Um, is you said Amazon? So let's say I'm um, um, Buck Fendig. 
Just, Hello, just Buck. First, Buck. And I have a new novel coming out, and I want to sign uh, a thousand of them yeah. and give them to my local indie and link to them on my blog saying, and you can get exclusively at um, uh, Jim and Barbara's down by yeah. the river. Uh, you know, <laughs> Most exciting ex- bookstore ever. <laughs> down by they the flood river. a lot, though. That's where Chris Farley used to, to shop. <laughs> um, right. You can get, you know, if you order from them, you get a signed copy, which you can't get. So Amazon wouldn't let you do that? Or is that, did I no, misunderstand I, I mean, if there is a way, I have not been made aware of it. Yeah. Um, but Amazon. But, and then Amazon would be pissed if you did that, too, you think? Or would pissed they, if we did that with indies? Yeah. I don't think Amazon would be pissed at the author. I think if the publisher did that, uh-huh. that's where it gets, they would probably play yes. some game. Because the same way that Barnes & Noble played games with, right. was it Simon & Schuster? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Is that Simon even still going on? I don't even know. It is going on. That's um, sad. And, and this is some real inside baseball, but basically Barnes & Noble and Simon & Schuster have a disagreement over the cost, essentially, yeah. um, that... Um, that uh, Barnes and Noble is getting charged and the return they're getting on the sales. Right. And so they've pulled some, I'm not exactly sure. It's like a random, yeah, it doesn't even it's, seem to, because yeah. it, uh, it's not the same. In every I think they store. just spun the wheel of pain <laughs> and, you know, some people got hit and some people yeah. dodged it, but there are always these like meta level chess things going on. Cause we're, I mean, honestly, we're talking about giant multi-billion dollar corporations. Um, yeah. Barnes and Noble is interesting though, because you know, like they have some degree of cover approval. Yeah. That's just true. like Walmart does if you're going to book's going to be in Walmart. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's very, very strange. They move enough units that uh, they can really do that. Yeah. So if I if I'm if I'm um, who am I? Buck Fendig, I you're think. Buck still. Fendig. Yeah, yeah and I'm uh, Jim and Barbara's down by the river. I think that's my move. Right? That is your move, right? I mean, that, or something got, like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. To to say give people a reason to shop there and something you can't really do on your own through Amazon and. Yeah, you, know. you could even theoretically, you could even tie it a little bit, give it a little, a little digital value add, maybe. Mm. If you were to say, "Hey, I have this new short story, and it's a, you know, PDF, or maybe because you can make a Moby file yourself, or a, sure, a yeah, file. absolutely, yeah." Uh, and and for, if you buy from Jim and Barbara's down by the river, right? Uh, and uh, you know, you tell me that, or they tell me that, they'll get you a code. Yeah, download this. Right. So it's still a little. Maybe the book has a code in it or something like that. Yeah, that, that could be it. Yeah, yeah I think that's a great idea. You could do an, an alternate reality game based on the whole thing, and it'd be every everybody could get together who bought the books and learn to do a crazy game. Have you ever done any alternate reality games? <sighs> totally bizarre. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, not really. Um, but yeah, something like that where yeah. you use this. The I guess the the larger point is you use what indies have available. Yeah. To the best of your advantage and their advantage and, and their the readers' advantage, because yeah. the other thing that gets lost, and you know, this is one of my many soapboxes. I have several of them sitting right here. Um, is that in these wars between Amazon and Indie, and even the authors get, but the people that no one talks about is the reader, right? Yeah, like no one really says, well, what's what's in the best interest for the reader? Yeah, and I think for all concerned here, the idea should be we want people to buy as many books as they want to buy and be happy yes. with the books they buy, right? That's the big game that, that is every, the big game. everyone really is interested in. Just to, They'd like to slice up that pie differently. If you don't link to an indie and, and you're an author and that someone might want to buy through an indie, 
Yeah, so you want to serve that reader. Serve that reader. And then, and then the indies need to serve the readers by saying, well, it can't just be about me yep. chilling a book because Amazon serves that reader better. That's right. For that particular person. For that particular, the, on the simplest thing of price point, they probably serve Who lives better on the prairie yeah. on western Kansas and only <laughs> buys ebooks. I mean, those right. people exist. I know. They do. I know, I know them. And, Not wrong. Um, you know, for an author to serve them is in everybody's best interest because yeah. the aggregate attention and money and energy poured at books – the, best, the most efficient way is best for everyone involved. Yeah. So, in, yeah, talking to readers and dealing with readers and yeah. connecting readers and authors, big, big, yeah, uh, be a big, big it's value. a big story. So, we're going to, we, we see spats like this come yeah. up from time to time. I think, I think from the indies point of view here, auth, an author is someone they can yell at, frankly. I think that's a yeah, little bit Yeah, I see, right. And it's the wrong person to yell at. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like the person that's right there. It's kind of like shooting the messenger in a little bit. Like, it's a publisher's game and it's a larger meta scale game. And this is someone they can, they can focus some of the. Yeah. And actually yelling at authors is probably not a good way to get them to link to you. Yeah. And and the the second worst thing to actually yelling at your own customer. Right. There is the sense, and I understand that Indies want to tell authors, well, you need us. But in this stage of the game, I think authors are actually more lateral. Right. Bookstores and they need each other as opposed to. That's right. You know. So I, I think this is a conversation that's worth having yeah. with authors and readers and retailers. Um, but it's unfortunate that in this case it became sort of hurt feelings and, you know, people always react well when you suck, you're doing something wrong. Everyone's right. like, yes, you're right. I am doing something wrong. I will remedy my behavior and attitude immediately. That's how it works, right, Chuck? That's <laughs> what people do? Perfect world. That's what I do every yeah, time. Yeah, that's what we do. Okay, yep. so there's that story. We'll drop the link Thanks. to the show notes there and uh, – what you can read about the bookseller. So I, we'll do our second sponsor, and Chuck might help me out with this here in a second. I didn't prep him for this either, so we'll see how he does. Uh, audible.com, audiobooks. If you like audiobooks, you may or may not know about audible.com. 100,000 titles to choose from in every genre thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci fi, and more. Other genres, you may have heard of some of them. Audible t- titles play on your iPhone, your Kindle your Android device, and more than 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. We got a deal for you. If you want to try it out, support the show, the Book Riot podcast, go to audibletrial.com backslash bookriot, and you can get a free, uh, excuse me, a free 30-day trial, and that comes with a credit for a free audiobook download. Um, you can't get this on the audible.com homepage. Don't look for it there. Not going to find it audibletrial.com backslash book right and what we've been doing before chuck when we've had audible as a sponsor is rebecca and i recommend an audiobook so i'll go first if you've got one great if not we'll only hold it a little bit against you my <laughs> my pick um and i listened to this a while ago while uh, when i heard that the uh, great gatsby movie was coming out and i think they must have done this in promotion to have available when the movie came out but there was a new audio recording of the great gatsby by um narrated by jake gyllenhaal and it's a very good recording, and it made me want him to be Nick Carraway more than Tobey Maguire. So that, I'm going to put that to the side just for a second. But it's a very nice, good quality audio recording of uh, The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby, if you haven't read it before, and, or if you have and have forgotten, is actually first person told from Nick Carraway's perspective as he sees the events unfold of Daisy and Tom Buchanan and Jay Gatsby. So it's, it's especially good in audiobook. I think first person books are especially good in audiobook. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, because it's I and it, it found, sounds more in your head. So that's the one I pick. You can find nice. it at audible.com, um, The Great Gatsby, narrated by Jake Gyllenhaal. Do you do any audiobooks at all, Chuck? Do you uh, listen to them? Do, you know what? I have literally never listened to a complete Well, one. there you go. So maybe yeah. you should go 
check out audibletrial.com/bookride and, and try one. Uh, out I'd like to it. recommend The Great Gatsby. Yeah, there you go. Good one. No, That's you know what? I, I will. I have recently. I did start listening to one. Now I don't. I will not probably finish it this way, but Whisper okay. Sync, that whole thing yeah. on Amazon now where you tie books together. So that's kind of a really cool thing. But there is a great uh, narration of Joe Hill's Nosferatu, Kate Ooh. Mulgrew. Uh, oh, Captain it. Janeway. Yes. Yes. So, so those of you don't know, the, ca- the, um, the captain in the um, Star Trek Voyager? Voyager, Voyager. Yeah, I'm not as yeah. much of a trick as I could be, but I'm I did know that. I, yeah. you got to give me credit for knowing her name. I did, actually, and that's yeah. well done because – that's all I knew as well. Nosferatu, <laughs> which is a creep, your... which is creepy, right? That's a it's it a is. creepy book. Yeah. So if you're looking for a good scare, Joe Hill, that that came out um, a couple weeks ago. Nosferatu, yeah, last month. A great book, though. Spooky. Christmas yeah, great. Christmas good. Thanks for that pick. So we're gonna do birthdays real quick. We got a little more newsy stuff. So birthdays this week. I got two for you. Um, let's just do the oldest one first. Nathaniel Hawthorne, who was born July fourth, eighteen o four, in Salem, Massachusetts. You know him from, and this isn't you, Chuck, though you might know him from this. This is you, <laughs> our beautiful, handsome, and well-read readers, and True. excuse me, listeners. The Scarlet Letter, which we all didn't read in high school uh, when it was assigned to us, um, and also Rappuccini's Daughter and oh, some other story. short stories as well. Great, great. That's a really good short story, actually. That is a great story. Great short Young story. Young Goodman Brown is... Oh, yeah. Just... Maybe there's Hawthorne uh, that would be narrated. We need someone really creepy to Dude, narrate this really stuff. Um, he was born July 4th, 1804 in Salem, Massachusetts. And his, he was born Hawthorne, but there was no W originally. Um, really? He changed it to H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E. For the following reason, that one of his ancestors was John Hawthorne, who was the only judge that was involved in the Salem witch trials who never repented of his actions of convicting and sentencing the the young women in Salem. And he was embarrassed by that. He wanted no association with it. Um, And so he he added that little W in there to fool everybody. Tricky. Uh, So that's interesting. I guess... I guess if you were born in 1804 in Salem, Massachusetts, and your name was Hawthorne, people didn't have to do much math. But if you added a W, everyone's like, who is this guy? <laughs> He's a debut author. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Clark Kent with the glasses, right? Yeah, exactly. You just don't believe no. that anyone actually. But apparently, Nathaniel thought that was important enough that it worked. So that's your tidbit about Nathaniel Hawthorne. My other birthday this week, two titans this week. Franz Kafka, born July 3rd, 1883 in Prague, Czechoslovakia. Um, this is a weird fact. So he went to law school and was a lawyer. Uh, his first job was a good job, but he, as I guess even in the late 19th century, lawyers worked their tails off as new uh, recruits. And so he was looking for a job that didn't require so much of his time and got a job with the Workers' Accident Insurance Institute for the Kingdom of Bohemia, which is a weird paradox. Kingdom of Bohemia sounds very regal, and the Worker Accident <laughs> Insurance Institute sounds like something that's like off I-95 in a strip mall. <laughs> it probably still is. It probably still is. Yeah. But his job involved you know, looking at injuries that happened uh, on the job for workers and deciding you know, whether or not the, his insurance company had to pay out and how much. And in the course of doing that, he invented, he's credited with inventing the hard hat for construction workers. What? The first civilian hard hats. Before Franz then, Kaffer created Franz, the hard hat. Franz Kafka created the hard hat. It does um, look a little like an upside down no, car. A management professor, Peter Drucker, credits Kafka with um, inventing the, the civilian hard hat, which has saved countless noggins mm. um, through, through the ages. So that's, that's, that's a pretty good factoid. You've got to admit that, right? That's a great factoid. That's, that's pretty Rip interesting. Rip that guy out of parties. I, I know, right? Lights. 
It will buy me drinks. You could imagine the insufferable bore I am at cocktail <laughs> parties with this at my disposal. <laughs> I'm the same. Oh, baby. Okay, so let's go to our next uh, story. This is actually, we, we don't try to do too much stuff we did on Book Riot, but this was a very interesting uh, story of this week. We ran a couple of polls on the site over the last few months asking our readers for their favorite books, their most hated books, and books that they've always wanted to read and never got around to doing it. So three kind of related polls that are all talking about the books that are closest and farthest from readers' hearts, but also the ones they'd like to either love or hate but never got around to reading. So one of our writers, Min, put together these Venn diagrams that make all of my neurons start firing because I love this kind of stuff, where he put in circles like which titles appeared the most often and in favorites and most hated. Yeah, and, and to, to read. To, to be read, read yeah, and favorites nice. and most headed. So it, it's kind of hard to describe. Radio is supposed to be uh, theater of the mind, so Two it's hard circles. for me to describe, but I, I guess that would make um, theater radio of the face. But <laughs> uh, So there's a couple interesting things here. So there's, there's three circles happening here. There's the favorite circle, there's the most hated circle, and the two red circle. And I think the one that's most interesting are these titles that appeared a lot in all three of those things. Yes. Yeah, that was most the most fascinating. Most, part. So in the titles, so that very appe- polarizing. Pride and Prejudice, Jane Eyre, Wuthering Heights, Moby Dick, and Ulysses. Yeah. It feels like that's right to me. <laughs> Does that make that, sense? That's about right. Yeah. That if you've read them, you either love them or hate them. And Here's the you thing: also I look at those books them. and I see all three in like <laughs> things I like, hate. Some of them. Yeah. And some of them are my favorites, and some of them I just. So like, I you want to? Do you dare say what? what or maybe I'll. Yeah. Which, which, could, which one it. of those do you love? I love Ulysses. Yeah. Okay. And, and Jane Eyre. Ulysses and Jane Eyre are two of my favorite classics. Wow. Really. Okay. And then which one have you not read, but always kind of wanted to I've get? Never around read uh, Moby Dick. The the whale. The That's whale. The white. I've literally. It's like the white whale is the book I've never Isn't read. Isn't it interesting that Moby <laughs> Dick is the white whale? Yeah. of, 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 of 19th century American literature. Yeah. And then, so that, that by process of elimination, I won't, yeah. I'll do the great honor of not making you say. Um, I, yeah, I get, I, yeah, people will. Pride still, and Prejudice. They, I, I, I don't favorite. like Jane Austen. And it, I appreciate, I have come to yeah. appreciate Jane Austen, but yeah. I'm not a fan. Well, it was in, we talked about this on the show a little bit last week because we were talking about Most Hated, which a lot of people, you know, my, if someone's favorite book appears in the Most Hated list, that's, I think, some sort of like, aesthetic insult to your very being. Right? <laughs> you just want to, you know, murder. Get yeah, stabby. you just want to maul, maul somebody. Yeah. And someone said, I can't believe anyone wouldn't like Pride and I happen to love Pride and Prejudice, but yeah. I, I said, you know, both sarcastically and earnestly at the same time, which I'm not sure is possible, but I think I pulled it off. It's like, you know, I think some people find the courtship rituals of the 19th century English land adventure somewhat dull. Um, and, <laughs> yes, and, you know, and I you, understand that there's a, there's a sardonicism to that, yes. and there's a satirical through line going on, and she's making a deep right. commentary. But, it, you know, it's hard for me to get That's through. what it is. I mean, honestly, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, and that you can love and hate these classics all at the same time is pretty... I don't love Ulysses, I have to say. I, yeah. I find it it's a slog. It's a hard book, man. That yeah. is not like a fun... Yeah. And you, one of those, that's one of those books, if it's one of your favorite books, I think people I've found in saying that's like, people are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. They, they have this, this sort of um, self-awareness that, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, I think the other category that's particularly interesting is the one that's not, that doesn't overlap with the two red. So people have read these, and they're polarizing. Right. And the three that happen in that circle are... Catcher in the Rye, Gatsby, 
and the grapes of wrath, which I thought was really interesting. That's the hated and favorite. Yeah, this game. Yeah, people, yeah. most people have read these three books who are the kind of people who are going to take a poll on our site, to be honest with you. Right, um, right. This is not the general population. We love you, book nerds. Um, but if people have read these, but they're very polarizing. Yeah, that's um, interesting. I can see that. Yeah. Any, you have strong feelings about any of those three? You know, I like all three of yeah, them. Me too. I don't. Um, Gatsby, I enjoyed in high school, but I sort of get why some people don't like Gatsby because mm-hmm. it's a, it does have that that challenging issue where the protagonist is sort of not your main character yeah, at the right. same time. So you're like, I'm kind of feeling yeah. a little along for the ride on it. Mm-hmm. Catcher in the Rye has people, I think just the, the subject matter and the, the protagonist get people all riled you up. Know, Grapes of Wrath, is, like in high school, I hated that book. Oh, I hated well, that well, book. Yeah, well, that one I think is easy to not to like in high school especially. Like all these yeah. farmers on the back of this yeah, dust, busted dust. down Ford. And, you see like, pictures of the Dust Bowl and you're like, yeah. Mm, and the, uh, Spoiler tired. alert, if, if, you, if you haven't read the book and you want to fast forward 30 seconds. And like the climax is like breastfeeding. That's the payoff at the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as a 15-year-old dude, pop. that's like, that's a little weak sauce, I have to yeah. admit. Um, Catching the Right, you know, Holt, people don't like Holden Caulfield. And right. I think that's one of those books that you read. I still like it. I think, you know, someday I'm, someday I'm going to write a resuscitation of Holden Caulfield because, you know, I need to get my pitchfork out every now and again. But, you know, he is whiny. And he talks about phonies yeah. and he's, you know, jaded and all, everyone sucks. And that's one of those books you read when you're 16. You're like, yeah, everyone does yeah, I suck. Get it. I get it. And then you're 32, and you're like, well... You're damn kids. I can understand. You know, I've got a mortgage, and i got a uh, kid, and i got, you know, I got to get home, and there's yeah, dinner to your make. anarchy's not... Yeah, bad. you know, you got stuff to lose right. um, later on. So that one I get. Um, the Great Gatsby, I guess, that's the one I'm a little surprised by, but that's one of my favorite books, so you know, I, I can't really be there. Yeah, that was one of the ones even in high school. I'm like, I kind of like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you like... Get through it. It's good. Yeah, even in high school, if you kind of like a good sentence, you're going to find something to kind of. And there's drinking, I guess. And I guess that's another thing about Gatsby in high school is like, yeah, people are getting just loud all over the place. Um, And then the favorites, I kind of find this the least interesting one, I think, because it's not polarizing. I like that red, most hated circle to be in the mix. But these are either people's favorite books. Or the ones that were red. I have a ton in here I don't like. I shouldn't say a ton. I have several in here I don't like. Yeah. I don't like 100 Years of Solitude. That's the one I go to. That's the for, uh, for I, thought this I, I, I was okay with that. I read that much later. So yeah, I think of. I read that. That might have been one of the ones I picked out at Barnes & Noble with the Western Canon under my arm at 15. I'm like, yeah, what the heck that. is this about? Right. And you, you're 20 pages in, there's 96 more years of this? That's a, that's a slot. <laughs> right. um, really? That's the, that's the one here. How, you, give me yours. Which the one? Um, that you, it's Given what I write, it's usually the most surprising, but I could not stand The Lord of the Rings. Hated that book. We're gonna have to end the podcast, John. <laughs> Shut it That's down. It. Shut it down. I want to keep the down, site everybody. going. I, I, I don't want the Tolkienites coming at me with their elvish blades. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I get that. I mean, yeah, man, you, it's don't, like, you just, don't write this kind of fantasy though. This no, is you, this is elves I and do trolls. Read and that stuff. kind of fantasy sometimes, and I like you? that okay. kind of. I just don't find that book. Yeah. I like The Hobbit. Yeah. The Hobbit was great, um, right. but Lord of the Rings is like it felt like punching myself in the face. Yeah, the, the first the first one is a lot of dusty roads and and it's big junks of prose, and I'm like, yeah, Ugh. Uh, yeah that one's a little tough. I, the one, I guess the surprise. There's a couple of big boys on here, like yeah. Anna Karenina is a long book. Infinite it Jest, it's got infinite in the infinite title. Jest. Yeah. Brothers Karamazov. You could bludgeon a water buffalo. With that book. <laughs> Brothers Karamazov is a long uh-huh. book. Les Mis, like you can read 
an abridged version that's still way too long. <laughs> to uh, kill Mockingbird short and Lolita. Yeah, Lolita short. Gone with the wind. You know, I don't know off the top of my head. It's been a while since I read I've that. Never I, read it. I think that's I, pretty long. And one in her years of solitude is pretty long. Yeah. Um, this this I'm leading into one of the other infographics uh, men did was the average length of the most hated and favorite novel. Yeah. Um, down the down the way, and the most the hated novels four hundred four was the average length of the the most hated novels. Yeah, they hated short shorter ones. I think and I think that's Gatsby and Catcher. I think yeah, excuse that because those are both uh, uh, Gatsby. Um, don't ask me why I know this. I happen to know it's one hundred ninety two pages in the oh, Simon and Schuster one that everyone has, and <laughs> Gatsby itself is uh, excuse me um, Catcher is you know even shorter. So yeah. I think those skews that a little bit. The favorite novels. I guess what's the one that does it for favorite novels? Well, these are all long. They're, Moby all, they're Di- all pretty long, actually. Moby That's why I'm Dick, surprised. Yeah. At, five, at, at only 505. 505. I guess the ones that shorten that down are Lolita and To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. yeah they, and they, Jane Eyre and Pride and Prejudice and Wuthering Heights. Those aren't all that long either. And the, the one that has the longest average meaning to read, at first I was like, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, this is the reason people meaning to read this because they're too long. The average length of the meaning to read book. 1,097 pages. <laughs> and you can see why. Like, oh, yeah. I'll get to that someday. Yeah, I'll get to that someday. That so those are the ones that are they're propping up your television yeah, or so uh, you're using to put your, your toddler onto the, the table to eat. Because that, that's going to cover your infinite jests. It will. Your Karamazov, your Anna Kareninas, your um, 100 Years of Solitude. So that those are interesting. Let's see. I guess those are the three uh, infographics that were... Most interesting there. And the upshot, and that everyone who might feel um, some pang of rage, I guess, is a way of putting it, of seeing something among most hated or most favorite. I get the the thing to remember is like to be on this list at all, you need a ton of people reading it. Seriously. Just even to have an opinion about to get on this list and then get enough votes. to get on this, you've got to have a lot of people reading it. And you know, I find that the books that people it. hate are usually also books that people love. Yeah. It's I the books so. that you don't care about that are, that's, right. that's when it's sad. You're it's like, the oh. third favorite novel you read in 2006. You know, no one's, <laughs> no one's voting for that book. The thing you gave no. to three and a half stars on a Goodreads, no one's remembering that. Right. No. You know, and these books, the other thing to remember about the books that last is they have a point of view and an opinion stylistically or thematically. Yeah. Like they're pushing some kind of button. And it may be one of your good or bad buttons. Just they're a classic on, for a reason. Yeah, right. It's that they it. they don't just sit there inert um, on the table. So it's probably good to see your favorite book that someone else hates that says yeah. something good about. I like you. it. Sometimes, like as an author, I even like sometimes bad reviews. Do you? You're better one of those than, you can than, like, take a good one star, without three star. Like meh. Yeah, like I don't I like know. the meh reviews. Like eh. That is. But if I, if I inspired yeah. hate, then that's a good sign. Yeah, that's like when I write something on the side and one of the comments is like, "This wasn't too bad." It's like great. <laughs> Yeah, that's that. Wow, I really not. I was really expecting a smear of monkey feces, and this, you know, was better than that. Uh, (laughs) Exactly, it put me to sleep. Oh, good. Have you ever had someone write something in a review like, "Oh, that's the sting of truth to that"? A little bit. Do you ever feel that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I'm not going to put you on the spot, though. I really want to. I know. I know. (laughs) I'm too sad about it. All right. So, new books. Rebecca capably handles this section, and I am going to incapably fill in for her. So I'm going to cut it down to two that um, we want you to think about, that we think are pretty interesting this week. These are books that came out last week. So as you're listening to the show, they're available to buy from wherever you want to buy your books. Uh, the first is The Impossible Lives of Greta Wells by Andrew Sean Greer, who is an author I really like. Um, he wrote a book called The Confessions of Max Tivoli, which is one of my, I call them Swiss Army recommendations. If someone just asked me off the street what to read, 
and I know nothing about them except they're interested in reading something I give right. them, the Confessions of Max Tivoli. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, the story there, and I'm going to just use this because I like this book a little bit, and I'm going to read this book, but I, this new one, but I haven't yet, is basically Max Tivoli ages backwards. Kind of like um, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, the movie right. that came out, that F. Scott or, Fitzgerald or short story. Yeah, yeah, or Merlin or um, Mork and Mindy, frankly. There you go. Um, but I think <laughs> it's, very it's, literary. it's much better. The, the novel Confessions of Max Tivoli is better than the Fitzgerald short story that has a similar premise and much better than the movie. Um, and most people I've recommended to really have enjoyed that. So Andrew Sean Greer is a name I pay attention to. Um, his new book kind of has... I, I guess I don't know what you'd really call this. It has kind of a, it's a set in reality, but there's a twist like that's fantastical, maybe magical realism. Some people call this this. Sure. But this is a, um, uh, Greta Wells, the main character, basically her beloved twin brother dies and she breaks up with her longtime boyfriend um, and she gets depressed and she tries some radical psychiatric treatment to, to shake it out. Well, knowing what I just told you about this previous book, something weird happens and she finds herself kind of in a quantum leap situation where she gets transported into a series of different lives, but they're not other people's lives. They're sort of different alternate timelines of lives she might have led hmm. as she'd been born in different eras. Curious. Um, so she cycles between her own time and 1918 and 1941 as divorced, as a mother, as single, um, in different professions. Um, so there's three of these lives, and they're similar and different and it's kind of one of these ideas like um, where no matter where you are, you're you. Kind of, you see what I'm saying here? Like we sometimes think, well, if only my situation was better, I'd be different or happier. Right. And this is kind of like exploring this idea is, is it true? Or do you, as Emerson says, you take your giant with you wherever you go. You know, wherever you are, you're the informing your reality and your experience. Um, so that one is, I'm excited for that. Um, the Impossible Lives of Greta Wells by Andrew Shangri-La. That's from Echo Books, and that's available today. Second one, Sisterland by Curtis Sittenfeld. Um, he wrote um, books many of you might know. Prep um, was one of them, and American, uh, American Wife. This one also has kind of a speculative fiction, magical realism thing that happens. Twins again, weirdly, um, where there is a uh, earthquake, and the main character here, um, her name is Kate. Uh, She's, you know, in St. Louis, and there's an earthquake that happens around St. Louis. It's one of the largest in American history, and a bunch of stuff, bad stuff happens. And she has a twin sister, Vi, who is a self-proclaimed psychic and gets on um, the broadcast media and basically makes a prediction that this, there's another earthquake that's going to happen. It's embarrassing and whatever. But it turns out, and this is enough of, I'm not going to go too much further than this because I get to spoiler territory. This is embarrassing, but her sister, Kate, all is actually psychic actually can tell what's going to happen and there's something to this proclamation she made but she's kept her psychic ability secret so to come forward and say hey people you really should pay attention to my sister would be to come out of the closet so to speak about her extra um, sensory perceptions yeah, right, right. That's cool. um, and then or or to keep quiet and keep her life as she's known it and intact but with the threat of not you know, doing maybe all that she could to help people. So I think that's pretty compelling um, set I'm of storylines. You're in, you're in on those. In. Um, so that's pretty good. Those are the two books that are interesting. Chuck, before we get you out, yeah, say someone is interested in exploring mm -hmm. the Chuck Wendig canon. 
Oh, um, and not like as a come online. I actually mean like reading my books. Yeah, reading your books. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, this is not a euphemism. Oh, okay. I, I know it can be hard Shucks. to tell on the show sometimes yeah. what is and what isn't. Or give us a couple of points. Or you know, you write so many different kinds of things. I do. Maybe I imagine a couple out. different readers like who like different things. Why don't you give us some idea? Of yeah, if you, if you like kind of dark and vaguely supernatural, uh, Blackbirds and Blue Blazes are a good place to start. But I have a book coming out soon. Um, that is a young adult novel. My first official young adult novel. That's I, self-published one that was out before this but uh it's called under in Imper- under the imperial sky give me the blurb because uh, i've seen the title but i don't know the blurb tell me about that one uh it's uh you know kale mcavoy is a uh he's a kid in uh, in the heartland and the heartland is an oppressed like the sunniest dust bowl dystopia you've ever seen uh all corn everything is corn bloodthirsty blood drinking corn and uh he wants to sort of rage against the machine against mm-hmm. the oppressive government that makes them uh that marries them off and uh ruins their earth and and feeds them horrible food okay so it's about his sort of a break to independence and how he can uh be with the girl he loves and how he can get back at his father for being too passive and too uh too forth uh, forgiving over the uh cool the so if you're regime. a ya fan and when that comes out in july do you know that the july like, 30th july 30th so you got it you got to wait so a little mark bit. this on your smartphone of choice or put it in your goodread shelf chisel it on a rock yeah all right and you write that's not your typical thing I, you kind of don't have it well I maybe no, i don't want a typical thing you don't want a typical thing what, t- what's a typical what are your highlights something you're what's what's your most proud of can we put it that way that's an interesting way of putting the it. book that i'm most proud yeah. of well i don't know i mean blackbirds is very proud that's my first official sort of novel yeah uh and it continues to just find people and every day i get someone talking to me about that book so that's cer- certainly a yeah that's a good one to start too because there's there's other ones related to it yeah the, i mean the blurb there for people who uh, miriam black can see how you're going to die by touching you so that's really the book yeah. and, and that doesn't make a very healthy character right put it that and way. the follow-up to that was mockingbird. mockingbird mockingbird right and then the third one comes out in december Cormor. okay so you can get on that train. Are there going to be more of those? Uh, you don't tell me if you're not supposed to Just tell. the three for now, and um, I have another trilogy planned, but we'll see yeah. if anybody wants it or if I have to. Yeah, if you, buy enough, if you buy enough of these, I bet Chuck will uh, oblige with another one if we yeah. all buy enough of I'm these. I'm doing them one way or the other, but just figure out how. Great. Well, Chuck, awesome. thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Tell Rebecca to get yeah. some we can. Where's the best place to find you online? Uh, TerribleMinds.com is a good place to go, or um, Twitter.com, Chuck Wendig, W-E-N-D-I-G, because everyone spells it wrong. And I'm Jeff O'Neill. You can find me on Twitter, at ReadingApe. If you've got a note for the show, you want to tell us something, let us know about something that we screwed up or got right, or an idea for a topic for the show, you can email us at podcast at bookriot.com. You can find us on Twitter, the site, at BookRiot. Rebecca and I both look at that perhaps obsessively. Um, You can comment, (laughs) and we will see it there for sure uh, and probably get back to you if we see it in time. Um, You can find show notes. We're going to drop show notes to Chuck's books and his website and the stories and books we talked about today. You can go to bookriot.com slash category slash podcast and find them there. If you are feeling so inclined and want to do your good deed, you can rate the show on iTunes. Um, give it as many stars as you possibly feel 70, comfortable doing. 70 stars. Um, write a review if you're feeling good about that. That helps people find the show, um, helps listeners find the show, helps with the sponsorships, and lets us keep doing the show. So that's our show for this week. Chuck, we will talk to you someplace else. We'll have to have you back sometime. Thanks, guys. Bye.